welcome to the Fueling the Future podcast, where we get to the bottom of global trends, issues, and developments in future fuels and vehicles. Are you looking for real insight and analysis from the industry's top experts? Are you trying to stay ahead of the curve and read the tea leaves on future fuels and vehicles issues? Are you one of those people figuring out how to make this happen? Then you're in the right place. My name is Tammy Klein, and with me today is John Haywood of MIT, and we're going to talk about study that recently came out that John was very involved in, and that's uh, MIT's On the Road study. But before we get into that, I'd like to just give the listeners a little bit of background on Dr. Haywood. He's the Shunjai Professor of Mechanical Engineering Emeritus for the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He's been a faculty member at MIT since 1968, where until recently he was the Sunjai Professor of Mechanical Engineering and Director of the Sloan Automotive Laboratory. His interests are focused on internal combustion engines, their fuels, and on broader studies of the evolution of transportation propulsion and vehicle technologies, fuel options, air pollutant and greenhouse gas emission impacts, and strategies that could reduce transportation's environmental impacts. He has published over 230 papers in the technical literature and is the author of five books, including a major text and professional reference, Internal Combustion Engine Fundamentals. He is a fellow of the American Society of Mechanical Engineers and the Society of Automotive Engineers and has received many awards for his work. He is a member of the National Academy of Engineering and is a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. And John, I'd like to welcome you so much uh, to the show today. Thank you for being with us. Pleased to have you. And we'll dive right in because there it was a really um, interesting study. This is a study that yeah, MIT has produced every few years, and I have a ton of questions, <laughs> as you know, and so we'll dive right in. But for those listeners who may not be familiar with the study, can you provide some background um, about it, how the analysis was completed, and the major findings? And what I, I'm also really curious about is the path, paths forward concept that team talks a lot about in the study, and that's this concept of improve, conserve, transform. And, and I'd like for you to also talk about what um, you and the team meant by that. Thank you. 
So one thing, there's a couple things that you said in there that really intrigued me, and it really dovetails into a statement that was made um, in the study that I also thought was was really intriguing about this uh, concept of improving, conserving, and transforming. And I'll just read you the statement, and and then I have a a couple questions for you. The statement is, from the ever-growing body of research by our group and many others, It is becoming increasingly clear that no single technology or approach can deliver the magnitude of emissions reductions required to stabilize atmospheric concentrations of greenhouse gases at acceptable levels, exactly what you just said. Moreover, the technologies that can deliver the deepest reductions are in the early stages of deployment. Their long-term cost and performance are uncertain, and it will take decades for their full benefits to be realized if they are realized at all, end quote. So from my perspective, there needs to be a mindset change with policymakers and perhaps the public because you are talking about, you know, this aspect of, you know, we need to be realistic, we need to improve the technology that that we have. But when I'm kind of looking out at the world, there are proponents I mean, even on the on the policymaker side, they want to get rid of the internal combustion engine and fuels. Um, so I sort of see that happening. And I also see, and I've seen in my entire career, that 
policymakers tend to set policy on transport. Maybe it's broader than that. I only know know from the from the transport aspect. But they tend to set policy that's like a, it's a silver bullet and it's we're done with this. I've done fuel economy. I've done a renewable fuel standard. That's going to solve our transport issue done. And there's, there's a lot of hype in transport, I notice. And the two examples that, that come to my mind are biofuels and now electric vehicles. So have you observed the same um, in, in your experience with in terms of the silver bullet approach? And how can policymakers respond, especially in today's political climate? I mean, you talk about being realistic, but it seems, at least in some quarters or some cases, the realistic option is not the one <laughs> that some proponents and policymakers want. Why is it so difficult? Yeah. 
And I, I think it's, from my perspective, it's exactly what you said. Our, our transportation system is is complex, and I don't know. Uh, from my from my side, there's uh, a bit of discomfort. I, I think there's a lot that that goes into this. I mean, right down to the fact that we we have different federal agencies that oversee different aspects of the, you know, transportation system, you know, consumer behavior. States such as California have their own, uh, you know, rules and, and regulations, you know, the, the nature of our Congress uh, right now. But I do think the complexity, the natural com complexity of our of our system, maybe our natural tendency, I don't know, uh, for, for some of us Americans, we want to be done with it, you know, solution, now, move on, next. The issues here are very complicated, and there needs to be much more time and, and deliberation, especially on the on the policy side. And we don't really have that right now in transport, at least at the congressional level. But it's it's far more complex than than just that. I don't know if you have any comment about about that.
So I want to turn to corporate average fuel economy uh, standards, and I want to ask you about a statement that was made in the study, and I'll read you the the statement and then uh, ask the, the question. So the study states, our studies of the feasibility of meeting these 2025 mid-40s miles per gallon CAFE targets using available technology indicate that this is unlikely without some pullback in other vehicle attributes such as, such as acceleration performance, though major improvements in fuel economy slash consumption will still be realized. This discussion indicates that the required 2017 review of the 2025 CAFE standards and the inherent complexity in the relevant miles per gallon numbers and what constitutes compliance comprise a major public education and communication challenge for both government regulators and auto companies. So the question that I have for you is, given these challenges for the auto industry, do you think there's a strong possibility the CAFE standards uh, could be relaxed in some way? And alternately, you know, do, do you think that, uh, well, we'll just start with that, and we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. 
So that leads me to, to, to another question, and that is, do you think, what are you thinking in terms of timeline? When you say delay, obviously you don't have a crystal ball. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't, be, <laughs> we wouldn't be talking right now and you'd be in Tahiti or something. But would you envision 2030? Um, instead of instead of 2025. So that's my first question. And my second question is, do you think there's a possibility there could be a trade-off? So the, the standards will be delayed uh, maybe for five years or some um, specified period of time, but the government will say we want we want more electric vehicles, uh, something similar to what we see with the zero emission vehicle program in California. Do you think that's a, that's a possibility?
So I want to ask you about diesel and how diesel plays, um, and if diesel uh, plays uh, a role in this. So I guess the question I want to ask is, does diesel gate, calling it diesel gate, <laughs> uh, does the, the, just for shorthand, I suppose, does, does that change the analysis in the study with respect to diesel? Because the study does see some contribution to the, the fuels and vehicle pool and also meeting um, uh, fuel economy standards. So with everything that has happened with, with Volkswagen and some of the other country uh, co uh, companies, do you think that diesel, at least for passenger cars, is no longer an option for improving fuel economy in the U.S. and maybe even some other, other countries as well, but just co maybe just comment on the, on the U.S.?
That's the show. Thanks for listening. I want to thank John Haywood for being on the show today, and I look forward to continuing the discussion in Part 2. Uh, please do us a favor before you go today, will you? I promise it will only take 30 seconds. Head over to iTunes and rate this podcast. This is huge for us in terms of improving our ranking in iTunes and keeping the show visible so that other people can discover it and benefit from it. Thanks ahead of time for helping us out. Looking for more insight and analysis on low-carbon fuels and vehicles issues? Sign up for my free weekly newsletter at futurefuelstrategies.com, and we'll see you next time.